0: Daniel Browning has been a First Nations journalist for more than 30 years. A keen observer of the visual arts, he has secured his reputation as one of Australia's most accomplished arts writers and broadcasters. Daniel has spent more than three decades speaking with First Nations artists, activists and elders about their creative process and personal journey. For many years, he produced and presented Radio National's Indigenous Arts and Culture program, Away, before taking on a position as presenter of the art show. Now he's decided the time is right to compile his first book. Close to the subject is a collection of essays chronicling his career as a journalist, radio broadcaster, sound artist, critic and interviewer. The book also features a range of previously unpublished poetry, memoir, art writing and play script. It's a brilliant read. I've described it as a masterclass in First Nations creativity, culture and story. Daniel Browning, welcome back to the program.
1: Thanks so much, Larissa. That's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, since we're going to be looking at this wonderful book, The Selected Works, which um, you know covers a, a broad range of your career and your, your different identities as well. I mm-hmm. wonder if we could sort of start with a bit of framing. The, the values that come through really strongly in your work are a deep respect for culture and a deep appreciation and understanding of the rights movement. And I wonder where that came from.
1: I think everything, well, I think I, when I started at the AUC, I, I, had, I knew basically nothing so I, in, in making this work, and, and, you know, I think you're talking about the documentaries that I've made over the years, um, a lot of the interviews that I've done have really been informed by my research um, as a journalist and just kind of getting to know my subject and getting deeply into the history and, and learning more. I mean, I, I think you know that when you open a mic, you, you're expected to know you know as much as you can about a particular story or a viewpoint or the history of a movement, you need to know really what you 're talking about, and it works best when you know what you 're talking about so I think in, in that i just I went as far as deep into the history as I could go, and i 'm fascinated with um, the stories that that our elders have told about the the rights movement, particularly. Certain figures in the rights movement and the very very early rights movement have shaped my way of seeing the world and have shaped what kind of journalist i am i don 't think you can be work in the space that we work in you and I, um, and not be across what those who came before us our, lit- our literal ancestors by which i mean they came before us they didn't they aren't our blood ancestors but all those what all those people said and thought and how much what we say and think is prescribed by what they, say, what they said and they thought. So we have to always be aware of what our legacies are and where we are speak. We have to speak in turn, right? We have to know what we're talking about and know where that comes from. So, in order to do that, I had to go back through the history and really, really learn what it is that it is to be a black follower in this country.
0: A lot of your writing, reflection and interviews um, have been in this First Nations art and culture space over time. What was it that drew you into this area? And I guess what I'm wondering is how does the boy from Fingal end up a journalist and then become one of the country's leading experts on Indigenous art and culture. And don't argue with me because you, of course, not only um, have been a journalist all of that time and done significant work within the radio section of the ABC, but you are, of course, now um, the arts reporter as well. So you can't argue with me on that point. So how does a boy from Fingal get to be uh, that person?
1: Oh, look, I'm, I was always mad about art. I was always mad, madly um, scribbling in front of the light of the TV in our house at South Tweed. Um, always drawn to art. Always absolutely um, an, an artist from the day I, from the first day I can remember, um, I was drawing fanatically, and so I went to finally decided that I wasn't. I shouldn't try and please my elders. I should just just actually do the university degree that would most appeal to me, and that was visual art. And then in, in visual art, I realised kind of at the end of my degree that I was not good enough to sustain a career as an artist. It's really, really tough, right? But I knew that I could write about art. I knew that I could think about art. I knew that I could talk about art. And so I kind of just bided my time until until a job came along presenting away, uh, you know, speaking out sister program. Um, you know, that, that came along in 2004 and, and, and I, I was in a really good position. People wanted to know about Aboriginal art. They wanted to know about this thing, this phenomenon and, and how it um, expressed so many, um, so many of our aspirations. H- what's in the, in, the, in the art that um, expresses who we are? And I felt that I was in a really good place to to kind of kind of finish that conversation or have that conversation with others, and to take that to the next level to to take it to an international audience. It just naturally evolved that way. I don't think there was any, <laughs> there was no foresight or, um, you know, I didn't w- I didn't wish it to be like that. It's just that's that's what the art is. The art is an important um, tool and way of communicating. And being able to read it successfully, being able to read it critically, I think is an important skill. And I just seem to have that skill at the right time, at the right point in in history, perhaps.
0: Well, it comes through in your writing and it comes through in this book. I love this book. It has so many different dimensions to it that really reflect different aspects of who you are. But from your perspective in terms of putting it together, why was it time for a collection and how did you choose what you would put in the book when you had such a volume of work (laughs) to choose from? What was that process like?
1: Hey, um, it it really wasn't my idea and um, really I was guided by um, Magabala, the publisher, um, Rachel Binsala, who's a, a woman I respect deeply and admire deeply for the way she's given voice to uh, our mob over a very long period of time, approached me out of the blue, out of black and bright... Um, the, the literary festival that ha- happens every few years in Melbourne, and um, I say it was her fever dream <laughs> because it happened, I think, at the, at the Builder's Arms across a bar. <laughs> she, well, not a great story, but well, many uh,
0: probably many good ideas have many, been found that one. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, <laughs> and so it was. It was. It was actually born in one of those pubs, you know, that, that our mob used to always hang out at, and that did that was appropriate because it came out just out of conversation and she was like I really think you should think about putting your writing together like I'd like to to know what you know how we can make this into into something and there was no clear idea about a book or an anthology or a collected writing um, volume or anything like that it was just very haphazard and and then the contract came through and, you know, she managed to convince the board of Magabala to kind of put their faith in in, in this first time writer. And um it kind of went from there. It wasn't my I did not generate this. This is not my idea. As much as I love what it has done and what it what it what it what it does, um yeah, it wasn't something that I I really really intended. And that contract sat on my inbox for throughout the pandemic. And for months thereafter, so um, that it's be- that it's become a reality is a is kind of I'm pinching myself all the time, because you know we work in the radio, we work in with sound, we work with something that that disappears, sound waves, and um, they're always dispersing. they never there's nothing permanent about what we do in in that way, and that's part of its beauty, its immediacy. But actually putting pen to paper, I realised what a power there is in that, in that, and and how you know you can't you can't just pretend this book didn't happen. <laughs> it's, it's now, in, it's now in the, in, on the public record and it, it'll be in libraries. And that became really important in terms of stating who I was, where I come from and, and who my mob are and, and, and how, we, how we relate to the world and, and just giving those people an identity other than outside of me.
0: Something that really resonates with me in the book is the way you understand the layering in the work of the artists you profile and critique. And many of my favourites uh, um, in there, Daniel Boyd, Tony Albert, Richard Bell, Vernon Aki, Julie Goff. And particularly, I think you're very strong at leaning into artists that the mainstream would find provocative or conf- confrontational. And I wonder what you hope your, perspect- your perspective brings when you're engaging artists like that who are probably are misunderstood by the mainstream?
1: Look, I think the work is is where you've got to look. Yes, we can look to the individual, we can look to the personality of the artists and I, all those people that you mentioned, I not only um, admire and respect, I love as, 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 as colleagues, as people who are m- moving towards the same kind of goal and that is understanding who we are. And, you know, I get very close to my subject, hence the, hence the title of the work. And I make no apologies for that. Um, look, I always think a lot of the work doesn't need me to explain it. But there is a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety and a lot of explication that can happen around that work that 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 makes it more impactful and perhaps communicates to a much broader audience and not just thinking about the national audience, thinking about an international audience and also thinking about context and history and where this work comes from, how it's part of a lineage of, 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 of stories and of, of pictures and putting it into that lineage. I think you need a critic sometimes to um, make work um, just, just to push... Um, it, it even further and to explain precisely where the work comes from, from your perspective. I mean, I'm just one person who thinks these things about this work um, and I try to get the facts right, but it's, it's really sometimes my opinion and, 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 you know, I think I've earned the right to have an opinion about, about the artwork and I, re- I respect what they're trying to do. I really understand where it comes from. And in that understanding, I would like to communicate that to a much wider audience. And if we can use the the art to, you know, communicate much more deeply a sense of history and a sense of politics and a sense of the contemporaneity of the past and also of, of what, it, what it is to be a black blackfella today, then the work's doing that, but I, I think I can just push a little bit harder and, and, and maybe drive that message home even even more. They don't need me, <laughs> those artists. They certainly don't need me. But my view, I think, is, is being sought after because I, I, I know where the work falls in, in a history of, of, of image making, um, and not just Aboriginal art. I'm talking about generally across, 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 across art. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, I know my art history, so I know where this work fits.
0: I think also too, just to add to that, I think my experience in reading your work about artists that I really, I really respond to is I often feel like you write what it is that I'm feeling, but I haven't articulated myself. So I think that's also a very important part of of the translation that you're doing from your perspective when you're looking at it. But the other aspect that runs through the book in places, that's very much about your positionality and who you are and the issues that you've contributed to Um, is the focus on gay, LGBTQIA and queer identity and its intersection with First Nations, people, culture, community. And there's a lovely recognition of those who've paved the way in our community to confront homophobia and to ensure the protection of rights. I'm thinking particularly of your beautiful writing of people like Noel Tovey, real trailblazers who shouldn't be forgotten. And yet you also talk about how far we still have to go. Why did you feel... It was so important um, to write into this space. Um, what is it important? What do you feel is important for you to say about this, this area?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think, you know, we're a minority within a minority, and occasionally we might feel like we don't have a voice. And to be queer and black, what does that mean? Like, how can you be queer and, 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 and black? And, and what, is it, what is it to be that? And I think, you know, a lot of the, the artwork and a lot of the people I've spoken to over the years, I've just been naturally been drawn to them. I've been drawn to their honesty. I've been drawn to their strength. And, you know, I, I did a project for the, for Sydney, Sydney World Pride and that was going around the country and speaking to, um, you know, First Nations mob who, who were there at the, the really important moments in history um, when we had no... When, it, when as, as, as gay, lesbian... Uh, transgender and intersex and uh, uh, people we had no rights whatever, or we, were, we could be we could be beaten uh, uh, and locked up in 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 a, in a prison cell in in Surrey Hills or Darlinghurst for just you know marching for our rights those that kind of intersection of those rights of like uh, being a uh, being a black fella and being queer really fascinated me and fascinates me how how they did that and how they you know were able to kind of get up every day regardless having all that kind of community having even sometimes the contempt of their communities how they still navigated that space is fascinating and and going through and talking to them and hearing their stories was something I'll never forget you know it it actually they live this concept of pride pride isn't just a trademark pride isn't just an idea pride goes right to the core of who you are and um, you know my work with, you know, my brothers and sisters in, in this space has just been, it's just, it's just what you do. It's generative. You've just got to do it. You've got to do this work because it's important. These people need to be acknowledged. And really my work has been about acknowledging people who've, who've come before me and thinking about my legacy. What is their legacy? And acknowledging that I don't come from nowhere. I'm part of a lineage of storytellers. Um, and that's you know, it's precisely what I've tried to do with the book. With the people I've pursued over the years, it's always been for stories, it's always been about, I want them to be acknowledged.
0: Of course, the book also includes your own very personal reflections, including some poetry that hasn't been published before. And in many ways I feel like it's the part of the book where your voice is strongest. What's it like putting so much of yourself out there when you're usually the person asking the questions?
1: Look, I think this is the challenge, isn't it? It's like, well, you spend your life, I mean, I I don't know about you, but going back to a time when I actually used to cut my questions out of interviews where I was in denial about what my role was in in an interaction with another black fella, that i wasn't part of the story that i w- could could easily be taken out i'm going back to that and thinking that was how little i thought of myself how little i thought of my perspective and the fact is it's always a conversation that you're having right you you are engaged with another black fella, you're talking about stuff that's really important to you and to them and I realise that I'm actually a part of the conversation. I'm actually in there and um, it's impossible to take me out. So in that it's kind of like realising too that my perspective is one that others may be interested in, That that I do have a perspective, I do have something to say and it's not you're not just being a journalist, you're not just being the mediator between two other, you know, the message and and something else. You're actually an active part of that conversation and recognising too that as a black fella, this is important. I am present here with this other black fella and we are having this conversation on these terms, about these things. It's significant, right? So don't pretend like you're not in that conversation. It became important to me to actually be active and be, be honest about what my part was in, this, in, in telling this story. Um, and I don't feel any shame about that now. I feel like I have, have, have earned the right to speak and that what I, what I say is important. And it's just getting to that point, really. It's like you, you spend a long time doing an apprenticeship. You know this, Larissa. You spend most of the time not saying anything, And then you realise, actually, what I have to say is important and I can contribute to this conversation and enrich it and make it better. Um, that's That's where that recognition comes from.
0: I've heard you speak about this and I love your thinking on it. So I'm going to ask you, what do you see the role of the First Nations artists being in national debates?
1: I think in the absence of a political presence, of a political voice if you like, in the loss of a a leadership at at the very highest level in this country, the voice of the artist became really important. It it has always been important. And I think if you go back into our cultures, you'll realise people who are telling their stories visually were very important. They were given a special um, place and to be able to tell stories visually was, was and is important to who we are. And to be able to tell the story through as like an orator, to, to be able to, to recite poetry, to be able to recite song, was important. So the, the artist does comes into this kind of vacuum. The Aboriginal artist, I mean <clears throat> so <Sorry. clears throat> the Aboriginal artist kind of comes in this vacuum, and in this vacuum, what they say is really, really profoundly important in the absence of, of, of like informed political debate, when there is no other side. Um, what the artist is saying uh, really points us towards, you know, artists, they don't tell us what to think. They tell us where to look. I always, say, always think, okay, look over here. Richard Bell, Fiona Foley, um, any, any artist, Julie Goff, any artist that you name, they are telling us where to look. It may, in, it may be in the past, it may be in the future, but they're telling us where to look. And that is where we need to kind of focus and train our eyes and and get something more than just a visual experience, an aesthetic experience. You're getting an education in, you know, a a caution to use that word, but an education in in, in what it means to be contemporary and to be black in Australia today.
0: I do also want to acknowledge that you still engage with your own artistic practice. There are elements of the book that are drawn from some of your creative projects. How do you choose your projects? Because they're very eclectic and I was just, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's an interesting element. I mean, you you we've talked about your positionality in critiquing artists, but you do practice, you do have your own creative practice as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it really kind of came out – I was on a three-month residency in, in, in Paris recently from May to August and, and, and took some time off from the ABC, um, some long service leave. And really that, that focus that I was able to have on that residency, um, the gift of those residencies is not that you're in Paris for three months – Eating baguettes and, and doing whatever, <laughs> and, and, and although that is a, that's a that's a nice kind of um, that is what we that's, imagine that's you're,
0: you are doing when you're well, there.
1: I, 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 <laughs> truly, truly, I was. Um, um, it's it's it, the gift of those residencies is focus. And in our jobs, we are not able to focus on anything. I mean, you are doing several things today, and many many interviews, and you're focusing on very many subjects, telling you, talking about very many different different things. Well, that is. That can constrain you. It it can mean that you're what you're doing. You're not focused. You're not focused on the one thing. And I wanted to focus on two things, two subjects, and I did. And I was able to kind of work creatively and to think creatively. And look, it's you know what I did was a you know I um, basically in, in in trying to get close to my subject. Um, a man who was cast in Lyon in the in the late nineteenth century in 1883, cast by I mean I mean he was a, a plaster cast was made of his body. Uh, in, in getting close to what his experiences were, and he's a, it's a story that I've covered um, over the years, and it's actually in the book, um, a feature, a documentary that I made in, in 2011. In getting close to understanding what he experienced, I actually underwent the same process. I had my body cast. Um, there was a team of people on, on stage, and I was in public, and I was wearing a g string um, and I did this in public. I, I, I decided to undergo this process in order to get close to the subject, literally to understand what it was to, to have one 's body cast in public and that kind of sent me off in all kinds of different directions and you know we 're so much more than just our writing we 're so much more than just our journalism and To be creative, I think, is just something I will never not be doing, but it's just you don't have enough time to do it. So I'm going to push in that direction. I'm going to push to to do more creative stuff and not just write about other people and things happening outside of me, but also to be part of it, to, to be a creator as well.
0: Well, I hope you'll continue to share that journey of creativity on this really fascinating story with us as you go along, Daniel.
1: Absolutely, I'd, I'd love to keep you abreast of all the of all the movements. Um, the, the next book is really what I'm very much focused on. So, yeah, maybe we'll um, we'll, we'll 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 chat about that uh, at some time in the future. Hopefully. I would
0: hope so. But in the meantime, I highly recommend close to the subject selected works to everybody listening to get a wonderful overview and some insights into the work you've done over time. Daniel Browning, thank you so much for your work, your words, and for spending time with us on speaking out.
1: My absolute pleasure.
0: Daniel is also editor of the Indigenous Radio here at the ABC and presenter of the art show on ABC Radio National. His book, Close to the Subject, Selected Works, is available now through Magabala Books.